570 WTBN Pinellas Park, 100.3 W262CP Bayonet Point. Online at portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Sometimes we're a little too enthused about public speakers, about preachers, about uh, teachers. Sometimes uh, we have the attitude, of, why, why do you want to come to this church? Well, I like to hear him. It's not the reason. Or someone might say, well, I, I go to hear a speaker because he's interesting. He has stories that really are, are funny, uh, illustrations. But listening to a sermon is between you and God between you and God. It doesn't matter who the public speaker is, who the instrument is. What's important is that whoever speaks is faithful to deliver you the Word of God. That's the real issue. Can you imagine the apostles comparing notes on why they went to their respective churches the way people do today? (laughs) Pretty ridiculous, right? But it's considered normal now to choose our churches by how entertaining the pastor is, or how great the music is, or maybe how splendid the youth program is. Well, listen, if church doesn't faithfully teach God's Word, none of that other stuff really matters. We don't need preachers who can juggle chainsaws while lighting their hair on fire. I want a preacher who does what Paul told Timothy to do, preach the Word. Welcome to Verse by Verse, where Pastor Steve Kreloff preaches God's Word a verse at a time. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Going through the Bible verse by verse, Pastor Steve has now come to Nehemiah chapter 8, which deals with the revival that broke out in Jerusalem as the people heard God's word read to them. One thing that contributed to that revival was their reverence for the word. Here's Pastor Steve with the final part of his first sermon in this series. We who do not want to be superstitious about the Word of God, what kind of an attitude do I have towards it? That will cause you to listen very closely to a sermon. Because you'll realize it's not my words, it's the Word of God. So I think that's the first reason that they listened, because they understood what it was. There was a reverence for it. Secondly, the people also had prepared hearts to listen to God's Word. Notice verse 6. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So before Ezra, we read, before Ezra opened and read from the law, he prayed to God. We're not told what he prayed, said he blessed the Lord, which was probably, probably means he invoked God's blessing upon what they were doing. But what this caused everything to, uh, cause the people to do was to focus on, on God. It brought their attention where it should be to God. He prayed to God and it created a consciousness of God and gave the people a sense of what was going on, that God was about to speak to them and they were to listen. Because notice how the people responded to Ezra's prayer. You notice verse 6, the end, it says that they said, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Why did they lift up their hands? They also worshiped the Lord, but why did they worship the Lord with lifting up their hands? This has been the traditional Jewish way of saying, God, I approach you with empty hands. I have nothing. I have nothing. Everything I have comes from you. You know what that's saying? There was an attitude of expectancy. God, I want you to speak to me. 
I expect you to speak to me. I, I am conscious of my need for you to speak to me and to give me instruction. You see, they, were, they had an expectant state of mind. That's, that's what this means. It isn't just a show of uh, what, what you're doing. It's not just an outward thing. It's an outward thing that comes from an inward attitude that says, God, I have nothing. Everything that I have needs to come from you. So they worship God, but also they expected God to give them his words. And let me ask you a question. Do you come to Lakeside? Do you come to church expecting God to speak to you? Do you come expecting him to do anything on your behalf? Do you come expecting uh, God to speak to you in terms of conviction, encouragement, correction, instruction, and in righteousness? Or do you just come to church because you just come? Some people ask, why, why do you come to church? I, well, I just come because I just come. That's how I've been raised. Uh, my parents make me come. I'm coming because what would the children think if we didn't go? It's wrong. I want to be a good example to them. But that's not, those aren't the primary reasons you come. Do you come? You may not hold your hands up like this, but do you come with your hearts held up like that, your mind held up like this? And may I suggest that from now on, when you come to church, you come with an attitude of high expectations. This will radically change your life. In other words, you have this, this prayer to God. This morning, and this, and this attitude, whether you pray this or not, this morning, God has a message for me. I'm looking forward to coming to church to hear the word being taught because I, I believe God has a message for me and I expect the word to change my life today. Now you start doing that and you start praying like that, especially as Sunday gets closer, uh, you're going to have a great attitude in listening to the word of God. Uh, you need to pray like this. And, and also I might add, get a good night's sleep on Saturday. So that when God does speak to you through his word, you're alert. You're alert. Too often, we come to church not so much to hear God's word. But we come to church to feel good about ourselves, to be entertained. Uh, in the words of Paul, to have someone tickle your ears, things like that. That's why a lot of people go to church. And there is a great verse I discovered this week in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33, which you uh, might want, we already pulled this obscure verse out, but it's a great verse. Ezekiel was a prophet uh, during the Babylonian captivity. Uh, to our knowledge, he never got out of Babylon. He, he stayed there. He was a captive. He was a prophet ministering to the Jewish people in Babylon, and they knew he was a prophet, and uh, many people came to him to listen. But, but I want you to hear this, Ezekiel 33, beginning at verse 30. But as for you, son of man, that's another title for Ezekiel, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. So the people in captivity were saying, hey, let's go and hear the message of the Lord. Let's go and hear Ezekiel. And they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words. So that's wonderful. But they do not do them. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. So they're coming to Ezekiel. They hear the words, but God says they don't do them. Why, why would they go and hear him? Why, why would you go and hear the word of the Lord if you don't plan to do anything? Verse 32. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. You know what God is saying? They come and listen to you because you entertain them. Ezekiel must have had a real nice voice. 
Ezekiel must have had a very pleasant delivery. And, and God says the people don't come to, uh, to learn and obey. They come because you're entertaining them. Not that that was Ezekiel's motive. But you are entertaining them. And listen, sometimes we're too, we, we do that same thing. We come to be entertained. Sometimes we're a little too enthused about public speakers, about preachers, about uh, teachers. Sometimes uh, we have the attitude, of, why, why do you want to come to this church? Well, I like to hear him. It's not the reason. Or someone might say, well, I, I go to hear a speaker because he's interesting. He has stories that really are, are funny, uh, illustrations. But listening to a sermon is between you and God. Between you and God, it doesn't matter who the public speaker is, who the instrument is. What's important is that whoever speaks is faithful to deliver you the word of God. That's the real issue. So we don't want to be like those in Ezekiel's day who just, oh, well, this one is just, have you heard him? He is really good. No, I, I like this guy. Now, have you heard him? Uh, he's better. His stories are so good, uh, you'll go away laughing. Listen, that's a danger. Sometimes, also just taking this a little, little further, sometimes the reason we're not too expectant to hear God speak from his word is because we've lost the sense of the wonder of the word. I'm convinced of that. That if you're a believer for any length of time, sometimes it's, it's uh, because we've lost the sense of the wonder of the word. We're bored in church. We're bored in church because we think that we've heard it all. We think we've heard it all. In fact, I knew of a, uh, of a man who was a Bible teacher who stopped coming to a uh, service. I think it was a Wednesday night service. Maybe it was another service. I can't recall now. And uh, when someone confronts him about it, he said, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. That's a great danger. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told us to be childlike, to be like a child in conversion. And uh, impl- uh, it, it's implied there that our whole lives are to be like, like children, not in the sense of being childish, but to be childlike. What did he mean by that? Well, there's a lot of things... Uh, that are so wonderful in, in childlike faith and trust. But one of the great uh, qualities of a child is that a child takes in everything because, you know, he hasn't learned these things yet. He hasn't learned to, uh, to become acclimated to everything around him. Everything is a wonderful discovery. Everything is new and fresh, and he's captivated by that discovery. He's fascinated with life. We need to be like children like that. We need to wake up and taste the Word again. Isn't that what Peter said when he said, like, newborn babes uh, desire the sincere milk of the word? We are to have that hunger and thirst like a, like a young infant has for mama's milk. We are to have that desire for the word of God. So I exhort you on that. I exhort you to be attentive to the word of God, to, to take in the wonder of it, to ask God to, to give you a fresh Wonder for the word. But I think there's one more thing that we could say about how to listen to the Bible uh, in in church that may be very helpful to you. One reason that we might have difficulty being attentive in church, and a lot of it boils down to this too, just being attentive. Why? Is because, quite frankly, we're distracted by our environment. We let ourselves be distracted. We tend to be people watchers, don't we? We tend to want to watch and evaluate each other's clothing hairstyles, who's here, who isn't here. We tend to sometimes get a little too concerned whether it's too hot or too cold or is the sound system too loud or too low, and that becomes a distraction to us. Or how many cracks you can, you can count, you know, how many cracks here or, you know, things like that. Is the wood getting a little old? 
Does Steve's tie match his suit? You've wondered. See, it's things like that. Is his beard even? You know, you can, you can think about those things. And you're laughing because you're probably guilty of this. Now, this is not new. This is not new. Many years ago in the fourth century, a church leader, a pastor by the name of uh, Chrysostom, said this. He said this to his congregation. He said, please listen to me. You are not paying attention. I am talking to you about the Holy Scriptures, and you are looking at the lamps and the people lighting them. It is very frivolous to be more interested in what the lamplighters are doing. After all, I am lighting a lamp too, the lamp of God's Word. So this isn't anything new. This isn't anything new. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Screwtape Letters, which pictures a demon giving instruction to another demon on really how to distract people and how to uh, tempt them and all this. Here's what he said. You want to learn, you want to lean rather pretty heavily on those neighbors. Make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the next pew. In other words, what he's saying is you want to distract them. Uh, distract them so that when the preacher is giving some heavy doctrine like this is the body of Christ, have him start thinking about the person sitting next to him. That, and, and it goes back and forth, so he'll never learn anything. And let me say this. Sometimes we have actually raised our children, or we may have been raised, to not listen to God as God speaks through his word. I want to read to you a very interesting book by uh, Dr. Jay Adams called A Consumer's Guide to Preaching. You're probably... Didn't think there was a book like that that existed. It's called Subtitles, How to Get the Most Out of a Sermon. And uh, here's what he says. Now, you may not like what he says, but I think it's convicting. And I think it's, uh, I think it's very accurate. Under the subtitle, Human Distractions, he says, Why do we develop such habits? Not only because we are sinners, that just makes it easy to go, uh, easy to go wrong. One key reason is because our parents unwittingly trained some of us not to listen to sermons thinking, and he says wrongly, that it pleases God to drag children into pews before they are capable of understanding the preacher. Parents teach their children to sit for 30 to 40 minutes doing something other than listening to the sermon. Some play with cars, dolls, or other toys. Others draw pictures or fold church bulletins into airplanes and hats. Many sleep, and he puts in parentheses, surely one significant cause of sermon sleepiness later on. A good number scream, crawl on the floor or on the pews, thus providing a rich load of distractions for others nearby. These antics also tend to embarrass or enrage and distract parents as well. Often children carry on so much that they force parents to leave uh, with them, thus causing further distraction to all. And he says, listen to this. This is a, um, an individual whose father was a pastor, probably a missionary pastor, and this person got absolutely nothing out of, out of his sermons. Listen. As a child in the Netherlands... I used to assess the length, though not the quality, of my father's sermons by a popularly accepted standard. Our pockets, or mother's purse, always contained a white and blue roll of king's peppermints. If my father preached a short sermon, then one or perhaps two mints would suffice. More likely, though, it would take three or four, and a five-mint sermon was a lengthy effort indeed. It sometimes troubles me... That, all, that of, of uh, all the sermons I heard my father preach, I remember only the peppermints. Though I also remember frequently snuggling into my mother's side and being not strangely warmed and soothed. 
And Jay Adams continues, and I want you to hear this, snuggling up to mother is fine for a child, but not for an adult. And many, perhaps most adults, find that in one form or another, such childish, childish practices persist. The sermon remains a time to be warmed and soothed, adults allowing their minds to daydream and play over all sorts of things that please and coddle them. I know that that what I'm about to say will draw fire, but it must be said because it is biblical. It is not pious to bring children to the exposition of Scripture until they are able to understand what is said. In Nehemiah, and and he speaks from Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 8, we read that all who could understand were gathered for the reading and the exposition of the law. That's found in verses 2, verse 3, and verse 8. Others were left at home or possibly, as some churches wisely do today, dismissed into the care of persons who can teach them something they can understand on their own level. If you refuse your children admittance to the preaching service until such a time as they are old enough to understand the message and no set age is given, some children mature before others, they will not develop poor listening habits, which become ingrained over the years. Moreover, they will not distract others, including their parents, by antics on the pews or by running to the bathroom. And perhaps of greatest importance, they will be anxious to graduate to that advanced stage where they are allowed to come to the preaching service. They will consider listening a privilege rather than a punishment. That may not get your hearty approval. I notice not too many amens. But I think, I think that there's tremendous truth here. In fact, I, I do agree with that. I think that's a very valid point. And all that we're saying this morning is that we need to listen to the Word of God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to listen to the Word of God. So let me, uh, let me give you a few practical ways that you can cut down on distractions. Uh, number one, sit up front. Sit up front. At least as up front as you can. Uh, because the less people you see, the less temptation you'll have to be distracted. Uh, I, I did, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I would, I would try to do this at Moody. Because I knew that if I sat in the back, I'd be thinking about all the people in front of me. And um, I, I really try to sit up front. I think there's a less uh, possibility of distraction. So I think that's a very practical thing. Sit up front where you, where you can't see people to distract you, at least as up front as you, as you can. Number two, make a list of what distracts you. Just make a list. What is it that distracts you each week? There are obviously certain things that are patterns. And then uh, bring the list to church. And while you're sitting here before the service begins, ask God to help you to overcome these distractions. I mean, be specific about your praying. Look, it distracts me about uh, what people wear. So ask God to help you. That ought to be incorporated into your prayer life. Number three, be aware that our minds naturally drift. There's a natural drift in our minds. So work on bringing it back to the message. Discipline your mind. During the week, work on disciplining your mind. Be aware of the things that trigger your mind to, to wander during the week. Because they're probably the same things here that trigger your mind to wander. And be aware of that. The Apostle Paul said, think on the things that are true, the things that are important, so forth. So there's a mental discipline in that. Because that doesn't come easily. You have to work on that. And number four, take notes. But I want to just help you on this. I think that there's a danger in taking notes as well. If you try to get every point that I've said, every outli- all the outlines, everything, uh, just as you could have it published in a book, you're not going to benefit from the Word. Just highlight certain things. Highlight the word, and so you can work on applying the word to your life. Write down something that was said that you can apply. Application. Because it does you no good if you have all these files of my outlines 
but you're not obeying any of the word. Then what you have is just files of outlines. The outlines aren't going to help you. The outlines uh, are, are not the word of God. The word of God needs to be obeyed. So there's a great danger in uh, dotting every I and crossing every T and getting exactly what I'm saying. Pick up a few things that you can implement in your life that week. So I think, I think those, those things will, will help you. Now, let's bring this together. The Jewish people of Nehemiah's day had a tremendous hunger to know the word of God. They requested that it be read to them. They requested it. They gathered for that. Do you have that same kind of hunger? If you're honest with yourself, what's the answer to that? Do you have that same kind of hunger? Maybe you once did, but not anymore. Maybe you once had that hunger, but not anymore. Could it be that hearing the word doesn't excite you like it once did? Going to church is not a thrill for you like it once did. It, you, you, because you, you have really um, lost a respect and an awe for the word of God. Maybe you really never had a respect and an awe for the word of God. Maybe it's, it's something that you need to cultivate now. But maybe for some of us, we've heard it so much, it's old stuff to us. That's a danger. That's a real danger that the Bible is old stuff. I've even heard people refer to the Bible as that's good stuff. And I don't want to be legalistic about that. But there's a danger that the Bible is old stuff. Maybe you really don't come to church expecting God to speak to you and change your life. Maybe you don't even think about it. You get up in the morning and very mechanically you get here. Do you think that God can speak to you? Because that's what we're doing. God speaks to us through his word. Now, if this is the case, then you need to do one thing. Change your thinking about this. Change your thinking about a sermon. Change your thinking about that. Change your thinking about the Bible. Change your thinking about what, it takes, uh, what takes place in church, why you're here, uh, and make, uh, come and make a commitment uh, to pay attention to the sermon and not be distracted, to work on this, expecting God to change your life. It's what Paul said to Timothy, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation, to the teaching of the Word of God. Pay attention. I told you that several months ago, this young boy in chapel asked me, how do you know if the people are listening? And I said, I don't. Then you know what? I'll never know that because I can't read your minds. But the convicting thing is that God does know. God does know what you're thinking. God does hold us accountable to pay attention to his word. I, I don't. You can fake me. But you cannot fake God. God knows, and he knows what help you need. And he's waiting for us to ask him to help us to listen to his holy word. Have you heard him today? You should have. You should have heard him today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So God does speak through his word. If you don't know Jesus Christ, today the Bible says is the day of salvation. Christ died for you. You ought to trust him as the only way to heaven. I invite you to come up after the service and speak to someone who will be standing right here about your need for Christ. If you do know him, are you committed to listening to him? We don't ask you to spend five or six hours. We do encourage you to come back on Sunday nights. What would Nehemiah's people do? They probably would have stayed all day. We break it up. We have Sunday morning, Sunday evening. I encourage you to come back and study the word of God and listen to God speak tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing book from you and about you. I ask that you would give us an increasing hunger to know what it says and a growing desire to apply that to our own lives so that we can please you more every day. Keep us not only reading it regularly, but also meditating on it day and night. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Come on over some Sunday if you're in town and looking for a place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. For service times and other information, call 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is listener-supported radio, and we are thankful to and for the generous listeners who help keep us on the air. Find out how you can help on the giving page at versebyverseradio.org. And while you're there, please feel free to download or stream any of the hundreds of previous broadcasts that are on our message archive page. That's at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. General Douglas MacArthur told about getting asked by a teacher to explain a text that concerned Einstein's theory of relativity. Well, MacArthur didn't understand it when he read it, so he memorized it. And so in response to the teacher, he just recited what he had memorized. The teacher asked if he understood it. MacArthur said, no, he didn't. And the room was silent. Finally, the teacher said, neither do I. Maybe.